Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. We're so delighted that you're with us again. I pray that God will richly bless you as we talk about uh, this amazing, amazing passage in Romans 1.16, that the gospel is to the Jew first. Let's unpack that, apply it, and uh, learn some lessons about how we can all be involved in reaching Jewish people with the gospel. So we're going to actually dedicate the month of January to sharing why it's so important for us to reach Jewish people with the gospel, not just chosen people ministries, but every single believer, those who name the name of Jesus and live the life and share the gospel, we want you to include a priority of concern for Jewish people and all that you do for Jesus. So for the next two programs, we're going to be turning to the book of Romans and try and show you what the Bible says about this incredible topic. Joining me is Bobby Walter, the director of our work in New York City. And so, Bobby, so glad to have you. And I know that you live this life as a Gentile believer, uh, making a Jewish evangelism a Romans 116 priority in all that you do. And so, welcome, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you today as well. Yes, shalom, Mitch, and shalom and welcome, everyone. Uh, very happy to be here. And Mitch, I'm really excited about this topic because it is something that the Lord has laid on my heart and even as a very young believer, made it clear to me the importance of bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. Absolutely. So, Mitch, why don't you start us off in Romans 1.16 and, and help us understand, like, what's going on here in this passage? I will. And just one reminder, in Romans 10, the gospel is for whosoever believes. Mm -hmm. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, no matter who you are, Jewish, Gentile, no matter what your religious upbringing is. So the gospel is for everybody. But Romans 1.16, which leads to Romans 9-11, through 11, speaks about the role of the Jewish people. And if you understand the role of the Jewish people and the future God's prepared for all people, then you understand Romans 1.16 in context. So let me read it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16 is written in the present tense. Hmm. So logically, if the gospel is still the power of God for salvation, if it's still for everyone who believes, then the gospel is still to the Jew first. It's amazing how many Christians will read that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, present tense. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, present tense. And then it was to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, the gospel came to the Jewish people. That's a was, not an is. And now it's to the Gentiles because the Jewish people didn't believe it. But that's not accurate. Actually, it's all in the present tense. It's the governing verb. And so we understand that the gospel is as much today to the Jew first as it was when Paul wrote this passage. The Greek word used by Paul and translated first, proton, this is a Greek word that implies one of two ideas. One, and one that I, I don't accept, is sequential. First this, then that. So the gospel is to the Jew first, so to the Jewish people first, and then to the Gentiles. So if the Jewish people hear the gospel, they believe, they don't believe, then we're off to the Gentiles. 
And and Mitch, those who would interpret the passage that way would basically say that Jesus came to the Jewish people first, they had their chance, they rejected the Messiah, and now it's moved on to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles, correct, yeah. Maybe the best way to understand Romans 1.16 is to see the strategy in living color through the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul not only wrote theology, Paul did theology. Mm. He stuck to what he said. So wherever Paul went, he started with the Jewish people. He went to the synagogue and he preached the good news of the gospel. In Iconium, uh, we see that Jewish people uh, turned against him. And so the Jewish people gave the apostles a rough time. Sometimes we have a rough time with people hearing the gospel from us, don't we, in Brooklyn? And sometimes in Israel, there's, there's a rough time. But that doesn't mean we change God's order of witness uh, because somebody gave us a rough time. It doesn't mean you change your theology because things aren't going the way you want. Mm -hmm. And so what was the next thing that Paul did? The amazing thing is, in the very next place where Paul went to preach the gospel, he went to the Jewish people first again. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to start going to their local synagogue before they begin going to the shopping mall and, and uh, handing out tracts or something like that. You know, it's not really the way it should be understood. That's a little bit more sequential, I think, than Paul intended it. It's really a matter of priority, Bobby, because the Greek word proton also means priority. And so it's not to the Jewish people first, Gentile second. It's always to the Jew first because it's a priority. So wherever you go, whatever you do, whether you're a missionary in Africa or Irian Jaya, or you're going to Sweden or you're going to New Jersey, no matter where you go as a missionary and follow God's calling on your life, Paul's saying, remember the Jewish people because God is not finished with the Jewish people. God still has a, a plan for the Jewish people. I think that the best passage to interpret Romans 1.16 actually is Matthew 6.33 where Jesus reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all other things will be added to us. And so we're constantly seeking the kingdom of God, even if we're looking for a home, a wife, a job, a husband, uh, some place to go. We, we are, we're always looking for other things, but as believers, we understand that the first thing that we seek for every day of our lives is to be obedient to the Lord and to seek first his kingdom. When we put his kingdom first, then everything falls into place. When you make Jewish evangelism a priority of your heart, it doesn't mean you're not going to go to the Gentiles. Bobby, you and I witness to the Gentiles. This, that's not what it means. But when we put Jewish evangelism first as a priority of our hearts, we're looking, we're praying for, we're trying to actively reach Jewish people with the gospel wherever we go. When we do that, it's amazing to see how everything else falls into place. Right. Now, Mitch, how would you respond to someone who might ask you, well, okay, well, why though? Why is it a priority in God's plan to focus on bringing the gospel to the Jewish people? Well, then I'd have to go right back to where everything started, the book of Genesis. <laughs> when God called Avram or Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, he gave them a number of promises. And then in verse 3, verses 1 through 2 in Genesis 12, tell us about the promises. But in verse 3, 
uh, God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So let me just make it simple. God chose the Jewish people for the benefit of the Gentiles. God chose the Jewish people to bring his blessings to a dark and broken and sinful world through the Jewish people. And so the Jewish people are very special in that way. The sole purpose of the Jewish people, in a sense, was to be this light, this witness, this testimony, this conduit of blessings to Gentiles. And that not only was in the past, it not only happened through the Bible, it not only happened through the first coming of Jesus, but Bobby, the Jewish people will play a vital role in the second coming of Christ. And that's why reaching your Jewish neighbor today will have impact tomorrow. Because as the Jewish people turn to Christ, Jesus will return. Want to unpack that one for us a little bit, yeah. Bobby? Yeah, you know, I love how you, you even started off this program, this whole discussion, talking about Romans 9, 10, and 11. And when we look there, we see, again, like you said, the vital role and place that the nation of Israel has in God's overarching plan of redemption and restoration for all creation. God is not done with the Jewish people. I mean, looking at Romans 11, verse 1, Paul even poses this rhetorical question. He says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. And then he goes on to talk about how God has, uh, during this time, preserved a remnant of the Jewish people who have not bowed the knee to Baal, right? Who, uh, who have believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Israel as a nation did reject the king when he came the first time, but that does not mean that God has cast them off. God still has a place and he's bringing Israel, he's bringing all the world to this moment, which we see this as coinciding with the second coming of Jesus. So going down to Romans 11, 11, listen to what Paul says. I say then, talking about Israel, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. So he's saying that they're, they're stumbling, you know, the, the nation's missing the king the first time he came. It is a stumble, but it's not a full fall, okay? They're not completely out of God's plan and God's grace. We keep reading, but by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. So part of the function of a Gentile Christian, a Gentile believer, is to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. Because by doing that, we might compel some of them to come to faith, to come to, to believe in Jesus. Uh, but there's, there's more than that, okay? Because we keep reading in Romans 11 verse 12. Paul says, now if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles... Okay, so looking at the, the current situation uh, and what Israel's national rejection of the king has led to, it's led to blessing for the entire world. Now Paul begins to tell us about this future, this future for Israel. How much more will their fulfillment be? Okay, he, he keeps on going. But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So Israel's national acceptance by faith of Jesus as the Messiah will signal resurrection. 
absolutely. You know, we don't have much time, so let me just maybe close with one incredible passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, it precedes the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, which is all about the second coming of Christ. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. True in the first century, somewhat true today. Then he adds, Jesus adds, behold, your house is being left to you desolate. That was a direct prediction of the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, which Mm -hmm. was the one event that came upon the Jewish people for the rejection of Jesus in the first century. Mm-hmm. Then he adds, for I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So again, we see in very plain language from the very mouth of Yeshua, Jesus our Messiah, that when the Jewish people as a nation turn to him, then he returns. And that is something that is so important for us. And it's the reason why Paul said, that the Jewish people should be a priority concern for Gentiles. It's Romans 1.16 has a future importance to it because one day the Jewish people will turn to Jesus and Jesus will return. So shouldn't we be working harder <laughs> towards the salvation of the Jewish people? I mean, if you want to see Jesus face to face, let's get busy. Chosen People Ministries exist to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people all across the world. And we also want to help equip fellow believers to do the same. Our mission was founded in 1894 by Rabbi Leopold Cohn, and we have a zeal to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. If you'd like to help us do the same, we invite you to go online and learn more. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we've got a special treat for you because we're going to hear some of the interviews that Mitch conducted with some of our Israeli staff during a recent trip in the land. So just give us a little background about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Um, I am Japanese born, but raised in America since I was seven months old. I grew up there except for a few years where I lived in Israel, uh, where I went to Bible college. And then um, I returned to Japan to live when I was about 28 years old. And that's now been 14 years. So now you know how old I am. (laughs) We can add. There you go. You're young is what you are. I'm I'm young. I'm young at heart too. and. So what uh, we've been doing in Japan is we have a Messianic congregation, uh, the only Messianic congregation in Japan. And out of that, um, we have begun to do various ministries um, involving reaching out to Israelis. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, I'd like to add that uh, I'm luckily married to a beautiful uh, woman. Her name is uh, Melissa, and she is a Jewish believer. Uh, we met at a Messianic conference when we were in our early 20s, uh, as many Messianic couples tend to do. Uh, I myself grew up in the Messianic movement, uh, very oddly, as long as I remember, I was always in around Messianic communities um, my whole life. Uh, so naturally, the odds were that I would marry a 
beautiful uh, Jewish lady one day. There you go. And we have three children living in Japan, uh, and we're raising them as Japanese, Jewish, uh, and Messianic, of course, and American. It's a big mess, but we're happy. I'm sure that your children will never be confused. <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> They'll work it out. The Lord will help them. David Trubeck, so good to have you. Would you just share a little bit about who you are, your background, and, um, and maybe a little bit about your family and where you live and things like that? We'd love to know. Okay, I'm a Jewish believer. I grew up in a messianic family. And today I have privilege with my wife, Victoria, to serve God and, for the, and serve God for the gospel in Tel Aviv. We also have um, two children. My oldest son, uh, 14 years old, his name is Oren, and smallest daughter, um, six years old, her name is Emmanuel. And as I mentioned, we have a privilege to serve God for the gospel in uh, Israel, in Tel Aviv, as a staff of Chosen People Ministries. And we see this as a big privilege for us. Wonderful. Thank you for that little bit of background. We'll get to hear more about you, too, as we talk, ask other questions. David, I'm just curious for you, just for a moment. You grew up in a messianic home, and uh, that means that your parents are, quote-unquote, messianic. Number one, define what messianic is. And then secondly, um, how did your parents become messianic, or were there messianics before your parents, like your grandparents or great-grandparents? Okay, as a messianic, it means that uh, my family, they believe is in Yeshua, Jesus, as their uh, Messiah, God promised Messiah. And my family's story is uh, quite special. My grandfather, he worked for communist propaganda. He was in the, he worked for communist explanation alignment. And because of his um, job, he, he was able to bring Bible to home, to our home. I speak about the Soviet Union. And in that time, if only if you have your Bible in your home, you can be in prison in the basement of KGB. It was considered as a felony. But he, because of his job, can able to take his hands and bring one of the of, uh, bring Bible to our home. And my, my father in that time was 16 years old boy, and he found this Bible. And he started to be interested in what is written in the Bible. And very fa fast, he found himself to fall in love in the wisdom of the Bible and full of love picture of Yeshua, Jesus. Wow. And it is my, um, shortly, it is my family story. Was your grandfather happy about that? Uh, but he, you know, for a long time, my father was the only believer who he knew. But then, in the beginning of the 90s, when the missionaries from the United States started to come uh, to Soviet Union, and my grandfather met uh, other Christians. He didn't, I didn't remember him receive Jesus as his savior, but he decided not to object our family faith because he, he saw a big heart uh, of, the, of the Christians. Yeah, that probably was the commission. That was after, right during Perestroika. Exactly. There were many, many uh, evangelical Christians coming into the former Soviet Union. That was a, a good time. Now, we're going to go from the former Soviet Union in Israel, we're going to link up with Japan, uh, Isaac, and uh, it seems to me that uh, you have a real heart for the connectedness between Israel and Japan. Could you, in some way, describe for me what, what is this connectedness? Why do Israelis seem to like Japan, and I hope Japanese people 
like Israelis? Well, for myself personally, it's, it's been a lifelong uh, development. Um, but I think more uh, in contemporary terms, Israelis have, and this is kind of a bit of a new, newer revelation to myself, um, there's an entire generation of Israelis who grew up watching Japanese anime <laughs> or reading what we call manga, uh, Japanese comic books, uh, the video games. A lot of these things originated out of Japan. And uh, I think there's even been some TV shows that have been running in Israel for a long time that uh, these now, now young adults, uh, 20s into 30s, uh, Israelis grew up with. Mm. Um, and when it comes to a point where they have the resources or the opportunity to learn Japanese, they're actually investing their time and money to do it. Uh, so this connection is now, now like, well, I, I'm learning Japanese, now I want to come to Japan. So we found out that over the last uh, several years, the number of Israelis coming into Japan has just been going up more and more to the point of pre-pandemic, uh, it was around 35 to 40,000, I think, wow. a year coming in with Israeli passports. Okay, that's a lot. And, uh, and you said again that your father has a Messianic congregation? Yes, so that's a funny story. Um, we moved to the U.S. because my father wanted to go to seminary. Uh, and, and, and which he did, I, I think a few years after we were kind of settled and, um, um, doing things in America, a family in my, uh, sister's preschool, uh, connected with, uh, my mother is, it was a mom to mom and she was a Messianic Jewish, uh, woman. Uh, and somehow they communicated that, uh, they both believe in Jesus and where, and the miraculous thing is my mom didn't speak any English at all. So somehow <laughs> they got that far. Uh, must have been the Holy Spirit. And yeah. they invited our family to uh, their Messianic congregation. This was in, uh, in Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. And from there, we, we I, I don't remember it. I was only like three or four. But uh, according to my family, we really were welcomed and just felt at home. And um, it's a place where we grew spiritually. And ultimately, um, after quite a few years of due diligence on my father's part, um, and learning about what is messianic faith, and, and this very, it's something different from uh, what he had uh, been taught already, um, decided to commit the family to that community. And we were in every way uh, received and uh, kind of adopted as this random Japanese family into this messianic congregation. That's great. That's a great story. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And if you'd like to learn more about this ministry and our priority to reach the Jewish people with the gospel, we would love to hear from you. Just visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. You know, Chosen People Ministries, Bobby, has been reaching the Jewish people with the gospel and teaching in churches about the topic all over the country for now over 128 years. And we'd love to share our amazing presentations with you, dear brother and sister, and your church. So please get in touch with us today. And when you do, we'll send you a free gift just for saying hello. It's a book called To the Jew First in the 21st Century. And the number to dial is 888, the number two, Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A. That's, again, 888-293-7482. Or you can also request a copy of Al Mohler's terrific book when you visit us online. And Dr. Moeller wrote all about Romans 1.16, the gospel going to the Jew first, and it's superb. So you can reach out to us at chosenpeople.com 
slash radio. And now let's close today's program with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.